Hello and welcome to Name on the Trophy, the brand new Manchester United podcast and YouTube channel with me, Dominic Booth. Each week I'll be speaking to a different guest, United related and talking about all the issues that's uh, affecting the club. This one is being recorded straight on the back after the World Cup with obviously United players involved in the final and plenty throughout the tournament. And we'll also be talking about the return to action, starting with the Carabao Cup game against Burnley on December the 21st. Um, I've got a very illustrious guest to join me uh, first up. It's the, you know, if you don't know who this guy is, then you, you maybe can't claim to be um, a United uh, fan. It's Wayne Barton, the author. Um, Wayne, thank you very much. You, you've written numerous books about United and I can't think of a better guest to have as the, as the first on this podcast and YouTube show. Thank you. I'm glad to be invited and good to talk some football with you. Yeah, it'd be good to talk about United as well because it has felt like international football has very much dominated uh, everyone's lives for the past few weeks. But the, the small matter of United against Burnley in the Carabao Cup, of course, which is, is far more important than uh, Argentina against France. We'll start, when I want to just have a little summary of United in the World Cup and and who impressed and who didn't. I mean, I think it was a fairly strong showing from a lot of United players. Obviously, Lisandro Martinez winning the tournament, Rafael Varane um, coming up short with France and and looking like he's short of a bit of energy at the end there. What did you make of that final from, from a United perspective? Yeah, it was disappointing that Martinez didn't get on. Um, I thought Varane did all right. Um, it's difficult to tell sometimes because Varane, as great a player as he is and the, the number of trophies that he has won certainly um, backs that up. He, he still feels like he needs a leader at the side of him. And I don't think Upper McConnell was, I mean, he's, he's so powerful and he's so um, good, <laughs> but he, he looked a little bit clumsy in certain aspects of the tournament. He certainly did against England and he did in the final as well. Varane needs a, a strong leader at the side of him, like he has done with Ramos. And funnily enough, Martinez looks more like a leader than what Upper McConnell has done. So he looks more solid at the side of his United um, teammate than he does at, at the side of his international teammate. So in terms of his, his performance, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think he put much of a foot wrong. I just don't think he particularly stood out and impressed in the way that Martinez did for Argentina when he came on and when he was playing. I thought he was very unlucky not to get more game time. The numerous times I've been looking at Argentina thinking, oh my God, how was he not starting? Because they don't have a particularly strong defence. Um so I don't think, you know, I don't think Varane had a poor final. I think he was knackered, like you said, at the end. Um, and it's just good, really, to have had a, a United player in the game. It, it's funny in a certain way, because the thing that I've been thinking about now is from an emotional and physical aspect, obviously we've got complications with Varane. And the last thing we wanted to see is him pulling up at the last sort of stages after playing two hours of a World Cup final. And then you've got the disappointment of losing it in the way that they did after coming back in the way that they did. That's going to be very mentally difficult for him to sort of shrug off in the space of 10 days if he's physically able to play. Whereas on the side of Martinez, you've got a player who is probably buoyant and more raring to go and play games of football on the back of being a world champion, despite you know not featuring as heavily as we would have liked to, to have. So, so it's a strange conundrum. Um, I'm, I'm glad that both played the part in um, the tournament. I think both did themselves credit. 
and I, I guess we're going to talk about the other players, but those two as United's starting partnership, considering that, you know, that's been the biggest area of concern for United for maybe six or seven years, probably from a, a very selfish perspective. I'm disappointed that they both didn't get eliminated in the group stage because we need to wrap them both in Cornwall. Um, but please for them, obviously, because it means a lot to them and it's good for United to have a pair of World Cup winning centre-backs. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone yeah, obviously having won it four years ago. And, and like you say, I, I tweeted, I think it was before the first game, actually Argentina's first game when they, they lost to Saudi Arabia. And I was, I was proven right in the short term, but wrong in the long term about what I thought of Argentina. I didn't rate them that highly. And I thought that not playing Lissandro was was going to be a problem for them because I just didn't think Nicolas Otamendi was that good. Mm -hmm. And he, he wasn't really, he, he wasn't a sort of a cornerstone of the win. He obviously gave away that penalty in the final as well. Um, in terms of the other United players, it's, I think there's still positivity across the board. I mean, looking at my World Cup wall chart that I've still got up here, um, and there's plenty of United players who did get into the latter stages of the tournament. The England stars, there's a lot, a lot was said about Harry Maguire before the tournament. I think yeah. there were a lot of United fans who were who were defending him and who thought that he did have a role to play in the tournament for England and. I think he wasn't as spectacular as, as he was in the Euros. I thought he was absolutely fantastic in the Euros for England during that run to the final, as was Luke Shaw. I think Shaw probably had a better tournament than Maguire this time round, but pretty solid reports on on those two for a start, Wayne. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I, th I did have a, a couple of issues, I mean, familiar issues that you see with Shaw sometimes, his positioning. He'll, he'll make a gamble and go field when you worry about his capability to get back and cover the space that he's left. And I did see that a couple of times with England. Um, it is funny with Maguire because international football suits him really well. Um, it's obviously a much slower pace. He can sort of build from the back. Even having said that, he's so... I don't want to dig him out because I think he had a decent tournament and I think people are going to highlight the couple of goals that England conceded where he was the focal point of that and they'll perhaps harshly judging for it. The, the around one, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll hold my hand up on that and criticise him. I think he could have done better. I think it's a little bit unfair against France because, I mean, those are the moments that define top players. And Giroud, to be fair, he's, I know he's he's obviously he's broke the record for France and he, he's been an incredible footballer, but he's still a journeyman footballer. He's not a Thierry Henry, do you know what I mean? He's kind of been lucky that there's been a lot of international games and he's picked up a lot of caps and scored those goals. You know, Mbappe will probably be destined to overtake him. But the point I'm making is that in that moment, he's got the international class and the international experience to pick that area and attack the way that he does. And all right, Maguire didn't get there and you could criticise him for that. But Maguire's not the best defender in the world. And I don't think if he's not the best defender in the world, don't criticise him for that. You know, that's the moments that, um, those are the moments that dictate um, the quality of a, a player. And um, I, I find it a little bit harsh to to be too critical of him for a goal like that. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. Yes, you could say a better defender gets there and, and that's, that's the thing that really defines England's exit from the tournament. Maybe it does, but at the same time, I'm not going to be too harsh on him. I thought he had a decent tournament overall. I do think... Again, like Shaw, sometimes you see that the limitations are there. But I, think, I don't think he had a bad tournament. I think 
he can be proud of the way that he played. Um, you know, he played his part in a good England team, and that England team, by the way, put a, a much stronger showing on going out than other England teams that I've seen in their exits before in the last World Cup. Or the, the Euros, obviously, they got to the final in the World Cup before that. They seemed leggy just before they went out. I didn't see that with this England team. I think perhaps the one criticism that I had of them is that, and it's not really a criticism, it's natural in that kind of game, is that when the, the last penalty was missed by Kane, the edge dropped at that moment because they were thinking, how are we, how are we going to get back into it? Um, but I thought that the, their, um, the response from going a goal down earlier on was really strong and Maguire and Shaw were part of that. So um, even if Bellingham and Bellingham was the driving force, I still thought it was a team effort. They played as a team. They almost got through as a team, but they were beaten by a better team. And at the critical moment, yes, Maguire could be culpable. But you also say that's the experience of a great striker, someone who's been there and done it, he's been around the block, he got there a split second earlier, and that was the difference. And maybe that is the split second where Maguire's not going to be a top, top, cent- to sound like Harry Redknapp, but to, to be that top elite top defender <laughs> that we want him to be, and everybody wants him to be. You don't, I mean, some players aren't. They're not going to be the best. You know, Not every single player that turns out in a United shirt is going to be better than the one that came before. It's a lot of pressure on him. We know his limitations. I still think he did quite well. Um, I know you, you talk about the defenders, but also there are other United players throughout the tournament. I thought Rashford did really well, um, really, really well in the earlier games. I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't get on earlier than he did against France because I think he could have caused some problems. I think he had a really strong showing and... You, you can labour on the what-ifs, but I think that Rashford might have helped England have a more positive result. Um, and, you know, it was going so well for him. He, I'm not saying that he was in the Mbappe class at all, but he was kind of having the messy impact on the tournament that he was he was popping up and England could have progressed or could have done better if they had him in the team more often. Um, but, I, I, yeah, from an England perspective, I thought United's players... Um, even with those criticisms that I've just said, I think that they they can be proud of what they did. Yeah, it, it's a sort of cliche, a strong United is a strong England, but you've got to think back a, a few months ago, maybe when England were labouring in the Nations League and you had an out-of-form Maguire, uh, yeah. an injured or out-of-form Shaw. Rashford was, Rashford's form towards the end of that season well documented how, how poor he was playing and none of them are really in the in the England starting lineup on on form. Maybe Maguire was there because of Southgate's loyalty, but Otherwise, they're out of the picture and we'll get on to talk about Jaden Sancho maybe a bit later as well. He's been out of the picture, but it is encouraging and it is the sort of the Ten Hag effect, I think, anyway, that those players are back on the international scene and Rashford scoring three goals at a World Cup. You know, we've seen Shaw score in a a final, but he was showing that kind of form again after this recent sort of, was it the third or fourth renaissance of Luke Shaw, I think we're on now. Um, But it is, I think it's positive signs from United and the Ten Hag effect certainly coming into play you probably say the same on I was going to highlight Diogo Dallo coming into the the Portugal side midway through the tournament as he's sort of come into the United side uh, of late under Ten Hag and he looks to be a different player to the one we saw a couple of years ago for sure at United and ousting Cancelo for big knockout games is is maybe one that United fans can have over City for a, a short while yeah, no, it is, but I think that Portugal will pay the price. Well, they did pay the price. I'm not necessarily just that selection, but 
I like Dallo. I'm not. It's the same kind of line along the same kind of thing I was saying about Maguire, right? So I like Dallo. I think he's definitely impressed. He's come in. He sees his opportunity, but I still think you see his limitations, and you can see a player where United need to improve an area of the team where United need to improve, and the same at international level. He's not Cancelo, you know. They might regret not playing him. I'm not saying that Dallo did himself any disservice. I think he's done well. But I think sometimes he, he can be def- defensively suspect. And I think going forward, he's not as good as some people would like to have you believe. Um, having said that, that sounds like I'm being critical of him. I think he's come in and done a very capable job. Um, I just think that there are areas, maybe not at the international level, Cancelo's a different kind of, he can play on either side. And, you know, Dallo can play on either side, even though he's, he's played really well at right back for United. That's where he's come in. I just think at United level, when you look across the team and you look at certain areas of the team, he's still one area that I think, all right, there's an upgrade to be there in the in the sort of medium to long term. Um, but yeah, again, he played all right in the tournament. I wouldn't say that he let Portugal down. I wouldn't say he's the reason for the exit. I just think sometimes you can look at an area and say they could have, and they had the option to improve there and they might um, regret not doing that. Yeah, and Bruno Fernandes as well. I previously thought that he was a very, very inconsistent player and is sometimes his performances for Portugal, especially, I've not been too impressed with. We can maybe get onto the Ronaldo situation. I was going to try and do the podcast without talking about Ronaldo. I think enough has, has probably been said about uh, Ronaldo. But I think Bruno Fernandes seemed to thrive, especially in that 6-1 Switzerland game when Ronaldo didn't start and the movement around him was better. Uh, the likes of, of, Gon- of Gonzalo Ramos and Bernardo Silva around him. And that's the sort of the blueprint that Ten Hag is trying to put around Bruno Fernandes now with more of a fluid front line um, and him taking those sort of risky passes that he's become known for, that's when we saw the best of Bruno Fernandes in the World Cup. And I think it's a bit of a shame for him. And I think Portugal were actually a, a very good side until they went out. that They didn't go slightly deeper. We didn't see Bruno Fernandes in those huge semi-final, final games um, to see what he can do because I thought we were approaching the, the best of him again. Yeah. No, he was, he was fantastic. He had a great tournament. And like I said, possibly some of the liberation um, on him and the... The spotlight being on him as well, the liberation of the movement around him, like I said, um, at United level, I think you've seen a different Bruno this season. He's still growing into it because sometimes he's had to play out of different positions. You know, he's played out wide on the right sometimes, played wide left, trying to accommodate the other players into the team. But the risks that he takes are um, the the better place to come off when you've got a midfield that doesn't relinquish possession of the ball as often as what United were doing over the last season and off. They've got Casemiro in there. They've got Eriksen in there. Like You couldn't ask for better players at recycling possession and keeping hold of it. And at international level, you've got better standard than McTominay and Fred. I'm not willing to be too critical of, of those guys. I'm just saying as a fact, they're, they're better placed to keep possession of the ball. So the risks that he takes... On the ball, and to be fair, you need Bruno Fernandes taking those risks in order to get the best out of him. That they look um, less problematic for the team. Like for example, the best ex- example of this is the Palace game at the end of last season. He plays the aimless pass back into the field, and they run up and score from it and win the game. And it looks like it's a big Fernandes mistake, and it was. But you do still need him taking those risks. 
um, not necessarily giving the ball away like that, but that's where the, it's a team game and you need to go to the players around you. Um, when you've got better players around him, it's, it's the old cliche, better players make better players. Um, but it's, it's the case with Fernandes and we know how good he can be like he was when he first signed for us. And, and really that front line of Rashford and Martial is what he has and what he had when he came in. So in theory, you've got the same kind of tools that, you know, he should thrive back at Old Trafford once he gets there. And I think, again, on a selfish perspective, the fact that Portugal went out relatively early and he'll be feeling relatively fresh and he's got a lot of, you know, positivity coming out of the World Cup. Hopefully that'll be really strong for him in this um, short to medium term. Yeah, I think he's got a lot to prove over the um, the next few months. Fernandez, if he can string together those consistent performances that we saw, what is this, two or three years ago when he first arrived now, um, yeah. that's the sort of end, end product that he was producing in terms of goals and assists. We haven't quite seen him hit those those heights in terms of the numbers yet. So that will be interesting. Uh, Anthony, I was going to talk about a little bit because... It was a shame again, like a couple of others, like Rashford. He didn't quite get the the minutes that mm. that we might have uh, wanted to see from him, and maybe that's inevitable when you've got the the depth that Brazil are boasting in wide positions and in forward positions. But again, positive from that, he will be fresh. Uh, Fred didn't didn't feature all that much either. Brazil going out in the quarterfinal stages, we should see all these players back pretty soon, shouldn't we? And that's that's going to be a real plus for United. Yeah, it is, especially like the ones like Fred. Yeah, I know that I was a little bit critical earlier on, but obviously it's a squad game. United are going to be needing that squad in forty-eight hours. Do you know what I mean? They're going to they can't be recalling Martinez and Varane straight away. They're going to need to be exercising those squad options for sure uh, against the Burnley team. I know we'll be coming onto it, but Burnley are buoyant at the moment, so um, it's going to be difficult. Um, it's not something that United can take for granted because they've got a decent record at Old Trafford. But Anthony uh, was a curious one because I, I really enjoyed watching Brazil play until they went out. They looked a little bit like the old Brazil. And when he came on and when he was playing, I thought he played well against Croatia when he came on. I, I was thinking, there's the player. He's he got the flair, but he also shows some um, accountability and responsibility. And we have seen that at United as well, but it's nice to see him do it on the international stage. The, the one thing that um, I, always, I was really curious about watching him was the idea of signing him for the amount of money that we did was based on the fact that he could go to the World Cup and his, his value would skyrocket. Um, did we see a player worth 90 to 100 million euros? I'm not sure. But am I see, did I see a player whose value increased over the World Cup to to the point of where we, we weren't that sure about him before he was at the World Cup. Let's say he was still at Ajax. Would he be a commodity? Would people want to sign him on the back of that? I think that they would. Um, would a top club be looking to buy him? Probably. They'd be in the market for a forward. You know, everyone wants an exciting forward. So I think, all right, we can talk about the financial impacts on United long term in terms of, you know, their, their bank account and everything like that. But in terms of a football signing and what United needed, I think it was a smart signing done at the right time because his stock's gone up for sure. How far it's gone up, I don't know. But again, it's a fairly good thing that he was used sparingly. He impressed when he was on sparingly and he comes back to United relatively fresh. Yeah, I think maybe the irony is that another one or two United forward targets have also seen their value skyrocket uh, thanks to their performances in the World Cup. Thinking of 
somebody like Cody Gakpo, uh, yeah. even Jao Felix, people like that, I'm obviously impressed. And it's sod's law for United sometimes, isn't it, with these players that they've got their eye on them and then something happens. Usually it's just the United tax that, that <laughs> sees their value go through the roof. But uh, we'll have to see what happens in January. I, I do intend on doing a couple of podcasts and YouTube shows about transfers. So that'll be very interesting. Back at home, Wayne, or well, not at home, in Spain, Manchester United played Cadiz and Real Betis. I must say my head wasn't in those games. I was busy working for um, the live, doing some live blogs for the World Cup, but they lost 4-2 to Cadiz. 1-0 to Betis, mostly youngsters featured, didn't they, um, Wayne? It was interesting to me that one person that didn't was Jaden Sancho, who was left at home to, to do his own training, which United said they were supporting him uh, to do. Ten Hag recommended some Dutch coaches, I believe, that he's worked with. What do you make of that? And is this is this a concern? I think Sancho's had his ups and downs at United already. I think it may be a positive in that it's Ten Hag showing he really backs Jaden Sancho. But I think there were a few concerns that he's not made the England squad and he's not even made the United squad for a couple of friendlies. But maybe that's a different way of looking at it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could. You could look at it that way for sure. I think the other aspect is that this is, it was very much a scratch squad. Martial needed to be in because he needed the minutes because he was recovering yeah. from an injury, so he needed to be there. But if you'd have put Sancho in, it might have tarnished him in, by the association of being there. For the same reason that De Gea wasn't part of the travelling squad, right? So he, there were some players that could have done with being kept out of it, and Sancho was probably one because they would have looked upon him in the same way that Van, you know, Van der Beek was there and we know that he's part of that secondary squad now whether or not he would like to admit it, he, that's where he is that's where his stature is in the United squad and I think that would have done Sancho a lot of psychological harm to have been in that sort of secondary um, squad now I'm reading between the lines on all of the things that have been rumoured and suggested in, in saying that Sancho's issues are psychological and I'm, I'm just saying that that wouldn't have helped in that situation. Now we don't know, we don't know um, because everyone's guessing at the moment and I know the truth will eventually come out about what he's gone through. What we do know is that it would have been psychologically tough for him to miss out on the World Cup. Um, he would have expected to have been part of that so to miss out would have been difficult for him. It has been difficult for him at United since day one. Um, when he came to United, he was meant to be signed as a right winger. Um, and then Greenwood was playing well at the time. So he, he started on the left wing and then it was difficult for him to find his place in the team. And then we've signed Antony and he's predominantly going to play on that right-hand side. So Sancho's again, he's still looking for his, his place in the squad and in the team. So there is, there's that to consider. Um, and then there's the, the behind-the-closed-doors the stuff that we just don't know. What I will say is, you've mentioned Ten Hag. I think he's handled it very well. I think taking him aside and sort of like letting him, you know, he's keeping it in house. He's not throwing the player under the bus. He's he's looking at him as an individual. He's taking his needs into individual consideration. I think that's the mark of a great man manager um, or a very good man manager at least. And we don't know because we don't know what Sancho's take on it is going to be. He might be upset that he was left out and he didn't play. So far, the, the, that doesn't seem to be the noise. It doesn't seem to be that they don't get on. Um, I think Ten Hag's, like I, so far, just about every major decision that he's made, I've agreed with, have backed. I think that he's got um, a lot of strength in doing that in his position. 
Um, and, and to be honest, Sancho in Germany was a fantastic player. He played with freedom, he played with creativity, he was a joy to watch. We haven't seen that Sancho in Manchester, but the club is as the club or the, the difficulty of the team and the difficulty of the club and all the transition that's happened in the last sort of 16 months has been very difficult for him to walk into. It's been the most difficult time for a creative player to walk into United and sort of make a statement, especially a young one with a, a price tag and all that kind of stuff. Um, I still think that he can succeed. Um, that he's got all the talent to do that. And the club are obviously, um, they're getting behind him in the way to, you know, they're giving him all the tools and giving him all the time they need. So um, hopefully it'll be a case of showing him the right kind of love that um, a good footballer like him needs and that it won't be too long before he's in the team and, and show him what he can do because we know that there's definitely a great player in there. Yeah, it's not like he's not had his moments for United. He, he certainly has. And I think it was just the weight of expectation that was on him when he first arrived. It, 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 that transfer pursuit seemed to take, well, it did take years for, for United to get the deal done. And he was seen as a sort of, immediate solution to all the problems on the right-hand side, almost decade-long problem that, uh, that United have had since the days of Ronaldo the first time, you could argue, or yeah. Nani at least. So we'll see. Uh, I've got Garnacho written down here as well. He, he He's one that didn't go to the World Cup. The World Cup probably came maybe six months too soon for him. You could, you could have envisaged him playing a part for Argentina, given how quickly he's broken onto the scene. Um I probably would you probably expect Garnacho to play rather than Sancho in this Burnley game, thinking about the the kind of team that United might play. It'd be interesting if if those two are included and the likes of Rashford and Fernandez uh, are given a little bit more of a rest. What what do you think? Yeah, you've got to start, especially now because of the fact that he's not been in the tournament. He's got to be included straight away. You've got to keep. He's the He's the one, isn't he? He's the one with the buzz around him at the moment. And Ten Hag will know that he's got to, he's got to illuminate Old Trafford in the best way that he can. And it's going to be a difficult squad to pick tomorrow, um, on on Wednesday. I don't envy the decisions that he's got to make because there's obviously a lot of moving pieces in that. But Garnacho is one that you would think is nailed on to start. He's he's got to be raring to go. I mean, the in, talk about something coming at the wrong time. The World up for him absolutely the wrong time because he's is sort of the run that he was on the sort of confidence that he was showing the momentum momentum is one of the the most difficult things to capture in football it's like lightning in a bottle once it's gone very very difficult to replicate it to get it going the same way so it's about his mood his confidence and then his opportunity the best thing that he can do to try and make sure that that momentum's continuing, Ten Hag is to include him from the start and to sort of, like, in a way, even have that attack built around him. You know, even if there's a more senior player or two, even if Martial's playing it um, again against Burnley, you would still be looking at Garnacho and saying, "This is your night. This is your front line. Look at what you've been doing. Um, show them what you're made of." Do you know, um, and if they can do that. It is, it is very much a case of lightning in a bottle. I'm not saying that he'll move backwards or anything like that, but what I'm saying is the value of momentum. You remember Makeda when he first came into the side, and I don't yeah. want to make... They're obviously very different kinds of player, but Makeda broke in. He was so powerful. He was so strong. He was so positive. But the reason why he broke in was because 
Um, Rooney was out, suspended, I think. Ronaldo had a bit of an injury, but I know Ronaldo played when Makeda was there. Berbatov had a, I think he was even suspended. So you had, and, and Tevez, I think he was out for a little bit. So you had a reason for why Makeda had to be in. And then when those players came back, Makeda dropped out of the side. You can't lose that momentum with a player like Garnacho because he's so good. And I know that the reason why he wasn't in at the start of the season was more to do with, um, you know, behavioural issues and stuff like that. So it's like he's had his punishment, he's come in. Now, it'd obviously be a step back for United if they didn't play him really because they've got a player of talent and momentum. He's in form. He had the confidence just before the tournament. You've got to start with that again. That's the one real asset that United have um, in terms of the, uh, they've got a lot of different things. Do they start with Rashford? Do they start with Martial? Like you said, Sancho, does he come into it? Anthony, does he come into it? The one thing that you should be guaranteed is Garnacho is going to at least start against Burnley, if not against Forest as well. Yeah, it's the perfect opportunity in a way, isn't it? That there is this Carabao Cup game. It's not the it's not the Premier League just straight after the World Cup, and there is those players that Ten Hag has had a better look at. Let's be honest, over the last few weeks, he's he would have had a real good look at Garnacho if he hadn't already, um, and he probably has made up his mind about him after bringing him back into the squad, like you say, the first team squad after those issues, behavioural attitude, whatever you want to call it. It's easy to forget the last kick of a football, basically, in a competitive game uh, for United was Garnacho scoring against Fulham. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. He has to start. I- I've got Martial down to start. I think the likes of Maguire um, and Shaw will probably start as well, depending on various issues with with other people at the back. Lindelof, De Gea obviously didn't play a part in the World Cup. Um, in terms of how the game will go and a, a prediction for the game, you mentioned earlier that Burnley were in some some good form themselves. They've got a an old United foe and Vincent Company at the helm. Um, we know what he 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 can do against United as a player, but it's a different Burnley to the one that United fans all remember from the last few years of of Premier League football under Sean Dyche. Yeah, um, yeah, they they play better football. By all accounts, I'm not saying that I'm a big Burnley fan. Definitely don't no, go on my really way either. to watch him. But um, the, the the reports are that they play better football than they did under Sean Dyche, which, to be fair, wouldn't be difficult. They were unapologetic in the way that they set up. And I, I'm not criticising, by the way, that they, teams like that do what they need to do in order to survive. And, and to be fair, they did have a couple of really good results at Old Trafford um, under Dyche. Now, I, I think that because of that, Burnley will have a lot of confidence coming into the game. Um, the company will probably build up the fact that they've been a bit of a bogey side for United. Um, I'll, I will stop short on, on saying that I'm going to give a prediction because I don't do that. Because they make idiots of me every t- time. Yeah, um, me too, Wayne, but, me too. But um, I do think it's a real, like you said, it's a really good test. Rather this than a league game to get started, um, a good opportunity for players as well because there are f- three league games, um, including going up to January the third. So there's three league games, and a lot of those spaces in the team are not necessarily up for grabs. But for example, like you said, Shaw has had some games in the World Cup. Malassia hasn't, so maybe he will start and he will have an opportunity to sort of, you know what I mean. While Shaw's feeling his way back in, Malassia can really assert himself and take advantage, Garnacho has a field wide open to nail down a first team spot because 
if he continues in the same form as what he was before, then that spots his if he carries on providing um, for the for the first team. So um, it's a really good opportunity for that for Tenog. Um, yes, all right, you've got the double-edged sword of if we get eliminated, it, it's a bad mood, but that's cup football anyway. And, you know, it is an important game. It's Yes, we're saying it's better that it's not a league game to start back, but it's still a cup game and he needs to win a cup this season, really. To, I say needs, I'm not going to be criticising him, but obviously the spotlight on him is... You know, to go deep in those that, cup competitions anyway, it, it, that's yeah. that's the top priority for this season, right? Everyone, everyone sort of yeah. accepts that. That's been seen in his team selections so far in the in the Carabao Cup. He went quite strong uh, in that Villa game, didn't he? When United came back, so yeah, I think absolutely agree with you. The cups are huge, and he will probably play as strong a side as possible. It is. A, we're speaking a couple of days before, and we're we're a little bit in the dark, like everyone is about who starts and who doesn't and who's in, in what shape. But yeah, um, yeah the headline will be Garnacho, Martial. Uh, anyone else that you really want to see in the side who you think can, can lay down a bit of a marker? No, it's, it's difficult really beyond that. I mean, the defence, you really want to see... You want to see as many of the top names who were playing well before the World Cup come back in as unharmed a condition I'm talking specifically about Varane and, and Martinez but apart from that I, I guess the main thing is in in the attack is wanting to see Rashford um, in the positive form that he's been in you know just before the World Cup and in the World Cup someone who plays with that kind of freedom and liberation because he's so devastating when he's on top form and obviously we've seen what he's like when he's not on top form um, or when when he's been going through his struggles so um, maybe to see Rashford, because he'll be chomping at the bit as well, you know, to get in and, and, and get a few minutes. So um, certainly to see him. In terms of the youngsters, I don't know, Garnacho's the main one at the moment, um, but, you, you know, Savage has done well. You know, Iqbal, you might want to see get a few minutes as well, but at the same time, you know, that midfield, Casemiro's domain now, do you know what I mean? You just want as few of those players to be... Um, afflicted by any World Cup fatigue um, by the time that I'm going to say real business. That sounds like I'm being disrespectful to the Carabao Cup. I'm not because we definitely need to win a trophy and that would be one that we'd celebrate. But, but you know, by the time the Premier League rolls around, you, you are going to be wanting to see Casemiro and Eriksen and those kind of players in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to see. It's um, Burnley on the 21st for United at home and then the real action gets underway after Christmas. Um Forest, Bournemouth, Everton in the FA Cup, Wolves as well. It'll be it's going to be very very interesting. Um, Wayne, thank you very much. That's all, that's all we've got time for. But I'd like to really thank you for being uh, one of the guinea pig guests on the, the Name on the Trophy podcast and YouTube show. Uh, thank you very much. No, thank you. Good luck with it. And uh, Wayne's work is out there for anyone who likes to read books about United. Maybe just got time to get them for Christmas, but um, I'm sure Wayne will plug that on his on his Twitter account. But no, that's all for, for today. Thank you very much for watching and for listening. Uh, we are Name on the Trophy, the new United podcast and YouTube show. Subscribe in all those usual places. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.